0: Psalm number 179, we've been asked to mark that, and we're certainly happy to do that and look forward to using that later in our service today. And it's so good to be able to be together on this Sunday morning to appreciate this beginning of a new week, which will soon transition into a new year. So many things that God has richly granted us and blessed us with. You may well be somewhat puzzled by the title of the lesson today, thermostats and thermometers in fact i preceded all of that with a word bible and i hope that by the time we conclude our lesson we not only will have an appreciation of what is meant by that title but that our application to our lives will indeed be a very fruitful one let me begin by saying that this sunday is somewhat of a unique sunday we know that sundays are very special it is that day, the first day of the week, in which we are granted by God the privilege and, yea, the obligation that we gather and offer our worship to Him. But you know, in the year 2023, there today is the 53rd Sunday. Now, most of the time, we consider 52 weeks in a year, and for most years, there are only 52 Sundays. This is the first such year since 2017. There won't be another one until the year 2028. So, today... We have the 53rd Sunday of this year. What about Bible thermometers and thermostats? One last thing on that slide might then be this one. Isn't it fascinating how that on so many occasions, the Word of God presents to us teaching using very common things. Do you recall many times Jesus, in fact, used that particular approach in that he would take a particular phenomenon or an activity very familiar to his hearers and use that to teach lasting spiritual truths. Like fishing. They were comfortable with fishing, and yet based on fishing, he could in fact insist to them in Matthew 4, 19, I'll make you fishers of men. And not only that, what about weeds growing among wheat? Well, anybody that farms a bit knows at least the premise of that, and yet he taught an unforgettable lesson about that in Matthew 8. I might also say, though, that you and I are surrounded by very common objects, and many times we can use them to help us in spiritual ways, like a thermometer and a thermostat. Today we're going to talk about both of them, and use them not only as a common material instrument, but great spiritual truths that come from him. Let me devote this particular slide to highlight at least these two instruments. Have you ever given thought to how a thermometer works? You and I are very familiar with a thermometer. We use it to gauge the temperature of something. It might well be the outside air. You may well have an outdoor thermometer on your porch or mounted somewhere so you can readily see it outside your window. You may well have a thermometer inside your house that lets you know what the ambient temperature of the air inside the house is. Isn't it true we use thermometers to let us know if we run a fever? That thermometer, you know, will read higher than what we anticipate as normal and we know we need to seek the services of medicine or a doctor. We're very familiar with the thermometer. But have you ever given thought of how it works? A thermometer, as you'll note near the top of that slide, is some piece of material that operates by acquiring the same temperature as that which is its surroundings. So again, as you take the temperature or read the temperature of the air outside, there's this thermometer mounted on a fence post or a tree. And so that thermometer will adjust its reading to reflect that which is the temperature of the air around it and so it is that it will thus manifest what the surroundings are as far as temperature. Same's true of that thermometer we use to read our body temperature. That thermometer by itself when it's in the cabinet, it'll read a very different temperature than the body temperature, but when it's put in contact with our body, it will then begin to read the temperature of our body. It will reflect that which is its surroundings. As you come near the bottom of that slide though, a thermostat's very different. You may be familiar with them. We have a few on the wall right over there. We have one on the wall out there in the little foyer as you exit the auditorium. A thermostat works very differently. It's not that it adjusts itself to read the temperature of what its surroundings are. It is what sets the temperature of that which is its surroundings. So you adjust the temperature on it. And it will thus operate the heat pump or the air conditioner, as the case may be. And it will thus bring the temperature to that which has been set. And the two are very different. The first, the thermostat, I'm sorry, the thermometer, it conforms to what its surroundings are. The thermostat's very different. It directs matters to dictate what the surroundings will be. And those two observations are very critical as it applies to the Christian life. Could I again remind you of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so isn't it the case then that you and I are admonished in the word of God that we ought to be like thermostats and not like thermometers. You notice there they were expressly told in the church at Rome, don't you be conformed to your surroundings. Do not let the surroundings dictate your way of thinking, your system of values, and otherwise the procedures of your life. Rather, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, more acting like a thermostat, are transformed by the impression of the Word of God so that that's what dictates and that's what determines the features, the values, and the specifics of the orderliness of your life. Having said all of that, I think we do need to develop that. And I would encourage us to do that beginning with some spiritual lessons that you now notice on the slide that's before you. We've already learned then that the critical difference between a thermometer and a thermostat has to do with their reaction to their surroundings. Why don't we in fact make some direct statements concerning ourselves? Beginning about a oh, quarter of the way down that slide, Would you give some thought to a moment about a thermometer from a spiritual standpoint? Do you or I allow others around us to determine what we consider to be wrong or right? Do you and I allow others around us and their impressions and their opinions and their speculations, do we allow them to dictate and determine our viewpoint toward things? when it comes to matters spiritual, not only is that dangerous, you and I know from the Word of God that it is eternally fatal. Because didn't Jesus say, there are few that be that find heaven. And so if we are gauging and motivating ourselves to conform to our surroundings, we're no doubt choosing to conform to what the majority thinks is right or what a mass number thinks is appropriate. One of the next thoughts on that slide is then this one. You have already no doubt raised in your mind to several Bible passages that challenge us in this way. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. The very words of Exodus 23.2. Now here were the children of Israel. You remember they had come out of Egyptian bondage and at that time they had assembled at Mount Sinai. They really hadn't been gone from Egypt but about 50 days. And here they were, assembled around this great mount wherein the God of heaven delivered and revealed to them these majestic sets of laws we call the law of Moses. And one of them was this, In light of what goes on around you, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. You don't act like a thermometer. You don't allow the Israelite, I'm sorry, the various Canaanite peoples and the others that may be surrounding dictate and determine by their matter of evil what you're going to do and isn't that premise a needful one for us today thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil the existence of evil is certainly not something to be questioned we know it's here so often we recognize the choices of humanity And sometimes, we might even be more specific than that, it's not just general humanity, it's people with whom we associate on a close basis. Those friends and associates at school, our neighbors, those that we live next door to, others we work side by side with, we understand that sometimes the choices and values of their life are not directed according to the Word of God. And it doesn't take but a little bit. And you and I might be impacted by that way of thinking. If so, we're acting a bit like a thermometer. In Joshua 23, verse number 7, shortly before he died, Joshua, in one last speech to the children of Israel, admonished them, don't be like a thermometer as you allow others to dictate and determine that which you do. You are to be a singularly devoted people to the God of heaven. That kind of description and that kind of characterization is certainly worth our while again today. If you would journey forward with me to 2 Chronicles 36, I believe there's a statement there that will not only challenge us, but it will help us appreciate the danger in behaving spiritually like a thermometer. Again, 2 Chronicles 36, verse number 14 is what will capture our attention. That one verse reads like this. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which He had hallowed in Jerusalem. That little verse describes for us a group of people It was the people of Judah. And although they had had knowledge of the things of of the Word of God, it says that they had transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen. They did what the heathen encouraged. They chose to follow the leadings and the motivation of the heathen, and in so doing, they behaved like a spiritual thermometer. And you'll notice what happened the text says they transgressed in that way and in the verses that follow God sent them into Babylonian captivity you see it's not only disastrous to act like a thermometer spiritually it brings consequences consequences that are very serious indeed as you close that slide with me look at some other verses that also have a bearing on this particular discussion think about you and I today are we not told in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. Other translations encourage us to note that that directly says that those with whom we associate will have a bearing on our morals. Who do you choose to associate with? What about me? Are we choosing our friends carefully, and are we choosing the activities in which we participate with the utmost of care so that we will safeguard our position not as a thermometer, but as a thermostat. It is something to consider, isn't it? Abstain from every appearance of evil in the words of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. Not only that, consider this other pair of verses. In Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25, that great writer of old, pointed out rather directly that you and I need to not associate or have fellowship with those that do not honor those values appreciable of God Psalm 1 verse 1 reminds us blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsels of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful there a blessing was pronounced upon this individual who chooses not to walk with the scornful not to sit with those who have little appreciation for the Lord. May I suggest that as we give thought to the beginning of a new year, it is an apt time to ask, am I a thermometer or am I a thermostat? When it comes to these matters connected to spiritual living, I hope that each of us have a motivation and that we have an incentive that we might behave and act like these thermostats off which we're about to speak shortly. As you close that slide and transition to the next, may I say that this verse that is now before us, Romans 12, let's revisit it, give it more attention, and cast a reflection upon it like this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I feel sure that we have often reflected upon and heard sermons and Bible lessons that relate to that pair of verses. As we add another one today to that list, I hope that we can revisit again how powerful, how direct, and how meaningful that little pair of verses is. First of all, what does the word conform mean? We're told, do not be conformed to this world. Could I invite each of us to note that's a command. That is not a suggestion. It is not a matter of optional take or leave. We mustn't be conformed to this world, and hence... To define that word is a useful exercise. As you can see, the word conform means, in a way that might be defined like this, to not allow oneself to be changed, to be like, or to be conformed to. In other words, something else is the standard in that case. And I am molding and bending and altering and modifying myself to match what standard is being identified elsewhere. The next item on that list, I would think, is a rather meaningful one. As I look somewhat at the nature of that word in the original Greek, it has a derivative, it has a significance attached to what you'll notice next on that slide. You and I all know how liquids operate. You take water or milk or some other liquid and you pour it into a container. And the milk will take the shape of whatever the container is into which you've poured it. If you pour it into a cylindrical container, it will have the shape of a cylinder. If you pour it into a square-like container, it'll have the shape of that. If you pour it into an oblong pan, it'll take that shape. We get the idea. That word is behind what's occurring here. If you and I are such that we allow ourselves to be conformed to the world, we are like a liquid that will take the shape of whatever into which it's been poured. And so the world is determining our values. Others are determining our sense of significance and what we consider as priority. Paul said, don't do that. Do not be conformed to this world. The statement in that particular form also encourages the reflection on the nature of that Greek verb. It's a passive imperative construction. You and I know what the word imperative means. It means it's a necessary thing. It's a critical thing. It is an obligation thing. Paul said this is an obligation. As Christians, we thus must not allow ourselves to be conformed to the world. There are so many passages that remind us about that danger. And not only was it a pertinent danger in the Lord's day and in the day of the New Testament writers, but certainly it's still a danger today. We each know quite well the demands and the obligations and the other activities of life, and they can become massive. Occupying our attention, our time, the particulars of our life, And it's so easy to scoop God, little by little, to a back shelf, to a place in which His impression, His influence is very little, if at all. We have to guard against this time and time again, recognizing that our job, the other recreational or entertainment activities of life, that none of it rises to an element of preeminence above our connection to the Lord. We mustn't be conformed to this world. Some of those verses mentioned at the bottom of that slide might be the warnings connected to verses like this. Matthew 6, 24, You cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, you'll hold to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God in mammon. Regardless how much effort there may be expended to it, we can't serve the devil and Jesus at the same time. They cannot be lords in that regard do not coexist. Rather, Jesus said we have to choose. And by the way in which we live our life, we will choose. It's not an option to not choose. That text of Matthew six twenty four only encourages us to think about James's famous words in James 4, verse 4. There, as James directed attention to the readers of his day, He specifically told them that that one, ye adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know? Know ye not? That the particulars, the circumstances connected, you see, to one's dealings with the world, the person who's the friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now remember, the world is what would determine the reading of that thermometer. Oh, I hope that you and I then will work with diligence to ensure that our value system is anchored in something far beyond what a thermometer of the world would read. Because it's anchored in the unchanging, the unalterable Word of God. To close that slide reminds us of a few examples in the Bible. People like Demas, who love this present world in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10. We read also about Diotrephes in 3 John verse 9. That was a man who loved the preeminence. He loved the namesake. He loved the authority that went with his position. And that was more significant to him. You and I have to realize, though the world may hunger for those sorts of things, we hunger for something different. We hunger and thirst for the Word of God. We read that in the book of Job. It might well be that we can... ask more carefully about thermostats. I know that we've spoken much to this point about thermometers and we've warned against them using the Bible as our guide. But what about a thermostat? These instruments that you and I easily use in a typical physical sense, they set the temperature of the inside of our house. They're used to guide the features of directing the activity of other things in this case, a heat pump, or an air conditioning system, or some other means of heat production. Spiritually, how do you and I behave? What is our conduct? Rather than letting other matters dictate our values, and other people by their speculation and opinion dictate us, a a thermostat would be the one setting the influence to them. It would be the one directing the affairs of things in the lives of those around us by being anchored to a setting that's beyond what the world would indicate. Isn't that what a thermostat ought to be and do? Isn't that what you and I should be and do? If you and I have a set of values that are not dictated by the procedures of the world, they're again anchored in that which is, for example, the Word of God, then you and I can more act like a thermostat not only dictating our approach, but by influence and teaching dictating theirs. Then we're behaving more like a thermostat. If what you consider wrong or right is not determined by the whimsical fancies of the world, but determined by thus saith the Lord, then you and I are behaving more like a thermostat. On that slide, I've given you a few verses to consider, beginning with this one. Jesus put it like this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In this relationship, Jesus thus affirmed, again, that was on the night before He was crucified, that truth is something which is contained in the Word of God. It is the Word of God. God's Word is truth. Truth. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 reminded us of that even in Old Testament days. Other New Testament and Old Testament verses that bring that thought before us again might include this one. Deuteronomy 5 verse 32. You, as the Israelite people of God, you have a set of standards which have been delivered to you by God. And as such, you can be that powerful guiding influence that can motivate and set the behavior of even other nations. In Joshua 1, verses 6, 7, and 8, God had some interesting things to say to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. That may sound harsh, but it's a reminder, isn't it, that this person who had passed away, namely Moses, He cannot teach and He cannot set example any longer. Joshua, you are to lead my people. My word is something in which you need to meditate day and night. Don't turn to the right or to the left. You allow that word to dictate and to guide and in so doing you will be prosperous and you will be successful and you will be able to lead my people into that land of promise. Did you notice, though, in that presentation, how that there was a standard not determined by the Hittites or the Jebusites or the Gergesites or, yea, any of the other Canaanite peoples. It was said and determined by what had been revealed from heaven. And with that assertion made, that was to be the thermostat character of their behavior. In Matthew 5, verse 16, That unforgettable statement of the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isn't it thus insisted that you and I allow others to see our good works? Not that they'll praise us and not that they will commend us, but that they may appreciate our devotion to our Father in heaven and that they might come to recognize and realize that as well. That text of Matthew chapter 5 is followed by Matthew 18. The last two verses of the book of Matthew. Isn't it so that Jesus commissioned His apostles indeed to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world." And so the Lord's apostles were commissioned to be thermostats. You go into all the world and you teach them. It's true, as you teach, you will baptize, but then you continue to teach and to instill in them that revealed word of heaven. Isn't it fair to say that you and I are rather clearly encouraged to be Bible thermostats? to be those whose standard is determined by what God has revealed and who thus seek to encourage others to conform their life to that same standard. In 1 Peter 2, verses 12 and following, Peter spoke about the influential character of those Christians to whom he wrote, that they were able to be such that as they infuse the knowledge of truth into the world around them that those people could react and respond. And isn't that exactly what a thermostat does? In the interest though, that you and I would be Bible thermostats, wouldn't it be fair to come to this particular slide in which we look at a few examples? I've chosen three. I hope that you'll quickly reflect upon them with me. What about John the Baptist? As you read about John the Baptist in the gospel accounts, do you get the impression that he simply conformed to what was going on around him? I don't think any of us get that impression. John is described as a man who was firm, uncompromising, unbending when it came to the presentation of Scripture. In fact, so strong was his devotion to that, you remember he lost his head over it. He had the nerve to come before the ruling king of that day and say, the woman you're now with, you're not allowed to have her. She's another man's wife. And for that, John ultimately was beheaded. But you'll notice, he didn't just conform to what everybody had to say. And isn't it true even in our day that topics such as that one are, I suppose, an easy matter for confirmation. It's so many others doing it. That's not the approach of those that love the Lord. What about Daniel? In the Old Testament book of Daniel, we read in the opening chapters in particular about this youngster who was forcibly taken from his homeland. He quite likely had seen many things that would forever etch the facts of his memory. He may well have seen his parents slaughtered by those Babylonians. He might well have himself recognize the changes to his body that came about by castration and otherwise. But through it all, we read in verse number 8 of Daniel 1, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Do you remember? The king, in fact, gave orders, feed these captive boys with the food of my table. And Daniel said, I won't eat it. He made a determination. I'm not going to conform to Babylonian ways. I'm not going to begin to live like that. I'm not going to worship their gods. And I'm not going to begin to think along those lines. You and I recall how that worked out. Rather nobly. For a period of time, he was allowed to eat only what you and I would consider to be vegetables and otherwise. And yet, his countenance was better. It was more attractive. God blessed him, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. What about Paul? That noble character of the New Testament. You and I remember that Paul, of course, is such that his conversion is recorded three times in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26. And as you and I give study to those chapters, we come to appreciate a man who turned his life over in absolute devotion to Jesus the Lord with whom He spoke on that road to Damascus. He was opposed so greatly. There were those who tried to kill Him more than once. He had to endure a thorn in the flesh. And all the while, you and I appreciate that all that opposition nonetheless leads us to notice verses like Acts 17, verses 16 and following. When He came into the city of Athens... Here was a city wholly given to idolatry. How easy would it have been for Paul to fit in, to simply try to make a bit of harmony and peace so that he could at least be without tension in that place. And yet the text says his heart, his spirit was stirred within him. And he began to speak with those people about the various nature of their idolatry. And the one God, the unknown God, the one that you don't know, I'd like to tell you about him. And he preached a great sermon. And it led to many conversions. Paul tried to be a thermostat. What about you and me today? May I suggest that as this new year comes before us, if God blesses us with but a few more hours, we will roll into the year 2024. May you and I be motivated and encouraged in this coming year to be the thermostats God would wish us to be, to not only have our mooring and our bearing in light of the Word of God, but that we might, by our example and instruction, help others to come to know that same way of life. As we close this lesson this morning, what about a statement of conclusion? May I ask each of us, as far as me and you, what are we? Am I more like a Bible thermometer or am I more like a Bible thermostat? If it's the thermometer, may we make a resolution and may we keep it that this coming year there might be a change in that regard and that we might better seek and serve the Lord Jesus Christ by being the kind of thermostat He would wish us to be. By that same token, if you're already a thermostat for the Lord, may you continue that faithfulness. May you continue to serve and to labor in that way, knowing that that's what not only the Bible teaches, it's what pleases our Heavenly Father. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you and I find ourselves conforming to the world... We need to quit that. And we need to be transformed in such a way that we allow the Word of God to infiltrate our thinking and to guide that which we are and that which we will be. And today, if there's someone in this assembly who's never become a Christian, then to this point, you have to be a thermometer because you haven't come to the nature of a Bible thermostat yet. Why not do that today? As the Lord's invitation is extended we'd like to let you know, again, that you need to believe in the Lord. Make repentance of your sins. Confess the greatness of His name as the Messiah, the Son of God, and be buried in baptism for the remission of your sins. If we could assist in that way today, what a joyous day it would be to end 2023 and to commence 2024. If, however, as a Christian, you have weakened To the point where you're behaving more like a thermometer than a thermostat, you're allowing what others think to guide your thinking, you're allowing what others do to guide what you do, rather than letting the Bible do that, then today, why not make some changes? Why not put the the thermometer in the drawer and begin to act like a thermostat? If you need to repent of sins and make confession of them, why not do that today? And why not invite us to pray to God and we'd be happy to do it. If we could offer assistance in any way to someone at this time, we'd like to extend that opportunity while together we stand and while we sing.